Starting off, I want to give you guys the title of my message, and it's going to be The Cost of Progress. Cost of Progress. Now, when I start this off, I want to, I want to start off by something that we're all very familiar with. You guys know the, the expression, you need to know before you die where you're going to go 100%, right? You oftentimes, when you're ministering to people, you want to say that to them, right? You want them to be in this position where I know I'm going to heaven. And I think, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident I'm going to heaven, like, on my good days. Some days, not so much. But who, who here is going to heaven? Let me ask you that. Amen. 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 Well, this is not the question we're asking in this, in this message. This is um, something more for us Christians. And what I want to propose to you guys is, instead, if you didn't die tomorrow, because that's not the goal, right? I mean, we're not, we're, we're not running towards that race, that end goal. That's not where we're running. We're running towards Jesus. But if we didn't die today, would you be confident that your faith is strong enough to live for him selfless? Because that's how our life is supposed to be on earth. We're not, we're not racing to die. We're not racing to get to heaven to make sure that we're with him. No, we're, we have a mission here. And it's important for us to live that way. So if you guys answered yes to this, I'm, we're going to move forward with this. And we're going to talk about progression. Because all of us have progressed in some way or another, right? Has, have you guys been involved in sports? Maybe the arts? School? Whatever it might be, you've started somewhere and made it to the end goal, right? Well, when I was in high school, I was a wrestler. For those that did not know this, I was kind of the awkward, weird-looking wrestler because they're usually like short and stocky, and I'm like a rubber band. But, but when I was in middle school, I started, and I got into it really enthusiastically, and I, I think it was kind of good, too, which, which is also great. But while I was doing it, I got enthusiastic about it. And while I was doing it, I got really good at a certain move. It was called the head throw. Sounds kind of impressive, right? Well, when I was doing it in middle school, like I, I would pin people one after the other with the same move every time. I remember one, I just, a couple seconds into the match, boom, down, and it was pinned immediately. I was so enthusiastic about this particular move when I got into high school. <laughs> what are you guys laughing? <laughs> when I got into high school, we had a speech class, and you know, I'm as a freshman in high school, really awkward and not very comfortable with myself, teen, not very good in front of people, quivering and shaking and probably sweating a lot. But when it came to the demonstration speech, I'm supposed to demonstrate something for the class? <laughs> I was confident because I took that head throw and I, was, I, I, I called up someone in the class, hey, come up here, I want to... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I was pretty confident in this move. Well, then I decided to join wrestling in high school. And while I was there, the first thing I learned was, one of the first things I learned was, you are never going to use the head throw on this team. Yikes. Now, that was a crushing thing, because I was like, that was my bread and butter. <laughs> well... I learned pretty quick why that was the thing, because I went into a match and immediately tried it, got reversed on and lost the match. 
what he knew that I didn't is when you get to the higher levels of wrestling, you need to leave behind the things you learned from old. You oftentimes need to leave some behind that are more less, less experienced, easier to reverse on. And this is where I want, what does this have to do with anything, right? What I want to propose to you guys is we all have things we need to leave behind. And we, we're talking about examples when, like arts, music, stuff like that. There's techniques you need to learn to grow, but you also need to leave some things behind in order to move forward. So let us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off three steps, three steps that I came up with according to the Word of God that will help us move forward in our life, move forward in our walk with God. And they, all these things take sacrifice eventually. This is what I'm talking about ultimately. The first step would be recognize that you lack something and need to grow. Step one. That's, that's a hard step a lot of times because we like to think we're the king of the world and we know everything lots of times. But we need to be able to let that go so that we can learn something new, right? The second is find the person who has the answer on how to grow. And third, apply this new information until it becomes a part of you. All right, so let's, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 32. This will be our first scripture. We're going to be talking about Jacob, one of Isaac's boys. And we're going to start in verse 22. I'll turn there. I'll start reading in verse 22 of chapter 32. And he arose that night and took his two wives, two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now I'm going to stop right here. And I just want to kind of back up on Jacob's story right now. He was one of Isaac's sons, like I said, and he was the one that if you remember, he was the second son under Esau, the older. Her dad, his dad wanted to bless Esau and not him, so he did um, a really sly, conniving thing, and he, he disguised himself so that he would get Esau's blessing, which caused him to run away because if you've ever been a younger brother, your brother's going to kill you for doing something like that. And this one probably quite literal is what he was talking about. But he was running away, and while he was out, he finds a wife, um, well, two wives. (laughs) The the Old Testament's a weird place sometimes, right? He took the the Old Testament marriage raffle and got a twofer. (laughs) Don't, I would not recommend that. But but while he was out there, he has kids, and while he's, he's built this fortune, he's built this life, he comes back. So essentially, he's like returning from his honeymoon. 
And he's going, all right, I'm going to meet my brother again after he told me I'm gonna, he's going to kill me. And this is what Jacob says is, He's wrestling with God, is what we learn forward. This man is God. And he says, you need to bless me. Now, I'm not yet married, but I think if I ever said, Lord, bless me after getting married, I might not wake up that next morning. (laughs) But in this situation, Jacob is going, I need something. I need something from you, Lord. And what we need to learn from this is is the principle of, I'm, I'm content, but never, never satisfied. Could I just have everyone say that with me? I'm content, but never satisfied. Right? This goes along with the word of God, does it? doesn't it? It says, um, godliness with contentment is great gain, right? We want to be content where we're at, but we're never satisfied with staying still. And this is where Jacob's at. And we get more into this as we read further. So let me read further. We left off. I want to read once again in verse 26. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. This is God talking. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. So we're pretty confident this was God here that was blessing Jacob. But here's the interesting thing. Why did he have his name changed? Why is that important? I mean, he's not running from anyone anymore. He's not running from the law He's not under witness protection or anything like that. He's, what was the reason? Well, Jacob, if you want to understand what the name is, and this will be good, um, no one make fun of Jake after this, all right? Until I get a chance to, all right? Well, Jacob actually mean, well, it means to come behind, so a second son, but it also means a supplanter, someone that comes and tries to take over. So I'm going to keep, you know, my, the back of my eyes on him all the time, right? Yeah. But he was a supplanter at this time. This is how he got his blessing. His entire life at this point is based upon this one identity that I am a deceiver. And Jacob goes, I am not meeting my brother again, ever again, with this idea. I want, I need a new blessing, I need a new plan. And God said, I'm giving you a new identity. And this is what he gave him, Israel. I contested with God and got what I needed from him. That is his new identity. So he's able to reach, encounter his brother again, not full of shame anymore, not full of guilt, confidence that he is the man that God called him to be. And he got the blessing that he needed. And remember I was talking to you guys about these steps. What did Jacob start with? I need something from you, God. I recognize that I don't have what I need right now on my own. I've tried to do it on my own, and all I did is get chased out of my hometown. I need you, Lord. And then he found the right person. He found God himself. And and he's like, I'm not going to quit until I get what I need. This is 
And um, let me just be very clear with everyone. Jacob lost a leg, right? (laughs) God's not going to take that from you if you try to get something from him. But you will lose something. This is where I'm talking about the cost of progress. Jacob lost a hip. What you're probably going to lose is pride. Unforgiveness. Maybe lack of faith. You're going to leave this behind in order to get what God has promised you. Get what God has promised you. And this is, I, I want to be clear on this too. We talk a lot in our church about, in the church in general, about the free gift of grace, right? That is how we were saved, right? By grace, I have been saved through faith. The free gift of grace. From that moment on, things aren't free anymore. We have to give something. This is where we get um, Romans chapter 12, right? I give my body a living and holy sacrifice. I'm transforming my mind. I can't keep this stuff if I want to attain what God has promised me. There is a higher level that I'm supposed to live, and I cannot continue in it if I don't leave things behind. Maybe, maybe if you're sitting here in church and you've been dealing with something, you may be in a storm, you've been waiting on God, you've been, it feels like you're climbing an icy hill and all, all the progress you keep making, you slide back down. Maybe God is waiting for you to leave something behind before you can get to that next step. Because we oftentimes think that that next step is where I need to be. That's where it's going to be easy for me. But God is waiting for us to learn something along the way, grow in something in order for us to get there. In my situation, what I shared with you, with the wrestling, I had to talk to my coach, did I not, if I wanted to progress. I was not going to learn on my own. I needed to approach him for the answer. This is where where I'm getting to. And Jacob and Israel understood this. The people of Israel understood this. They, I'm going to read further, actually. Let Let me read further. In verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. But just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip of the socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. The children of Israel understood this idea that if I am going to continue, I need to leave it behind for good. So they did this. They did not eat this, this muscle, the specific muscle, to keep them in remembrance. I am not going to touch that old life again. I am not a deceiver. I'm not whatever it is. What are you guys? Are you trying to step into something new? Have you guys been, maybe there's a single person out here that's looking to get married. You cannot walk into this marriage with a single mindset. You cannot get a promotion to CEO when you're an employee mindset. You need to learn that God is trying to get you to a point so that you can get there. You need to leave something behind. Let me... Let's look at a pro athlete. 
say, or a doctor or a CEO. They're definitely not going to be living like they were before. Let's take LeBron James. Do you think he's going to look back at his life before and go, hmm, you know, there's this one time in high school that I ditched practice and just ate a bunch of junk food. It was a lot of fun, so I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> do you think he'd perform very well? Or even worse, how about a surgeon? Right? That's a pretty big deal. Uh, someone's life in the line. What if, they, what if they were like, you know what? I remember this time in biology in high school where I, disse I dissected a crawfish. I'm going to try that right here. <laughs> I, I remember high school. I remember dissecting a crawfish. And I guarantee you um, a, a forensic investigator could not figure out what I did to that crawfish after I was done with it. That is not a good idea. We need, just like any, any profession, any higher-end profession, we need to move forward in order to succeed. I was presented a choice in wrestling when I got to this point. Am I going to be discouraged, quit, or am I going to move forward? And this is everyone's decision in everyone's situation. No matter where you're at, we all get there. I feel like I'm hitting a wall. We call them stages or transitions. And a lot of times in our minds we think, man, if I could just get past this stage, I would be fine. Man, if I could just get past this wall, then everything would be peachy. But really, what we need to know is this wall is there because God is trying to teach us it, the grass is always greener on the other side, is it not? But if we were trying to get there without learning, I mean, how many marriages look back and go, man, I wish I was single? Were you ready? Did you ever get over the single mindset? Did you ever learn to love yourself before you got into this relationship? This is such a huge deal. People try to rush into their future. They rush into their plan, and then they ruin their lives because of it. God wants us there. Can we have, I want us to turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to... Do I'll stop right there. When I... Filled with joy. So, Timothy was a pastor in a church who dealt with desertion, the government on his heel, putting pressure on him. All of this stuff is very understandable to, to, to imagine someone getting frustrated or a little bit mad or, or like tears, tears, literally like crying over the situation. And then we learn that Timothy is like a really kind of like a quaking little dude that gets really easily frightened. Now we go, wow, okay, this guy is going through something huge. And Paul recognizes this. 
So what he does is, Paul, I want to help you out of this, but what I need you to do is these two things. Could I have four volunteers? Edwin? I need two guys and two girls. You two? Go ahead. Sam, come up here. Yeah, come on up. Are you going to wrestle me? Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So could I have you two girls just stand one here and one right in front? All right. And face the other way. All right. So in this situation, you're the past self and you're the future self. All right. This is Eunice and Lois, Timothy's grandparents, (laughs) grandmother and mother. A little young, but it's all right. And then right here. Pastor Edwin, yes. you're a wonderful man, but I'm going to have you be my past. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and could you be my future? <laughs> so this is what Timothy, or this is what Paul had Timothy do. He said, remember, remember Lois and Eunice. We're oftentimes stuck right here in the middle of who I was and who I'm supposed to be. And we look and we go, look at this gap. How am I ever going to get there? How will I ever get this gap? Because a lot of times we kind of tiptoe, and what often happens is you step with me, right? Step. I'm moving, moving, moving. I'm not making any progress. What is going on? What Timothy is frustrated because he's like, I've done this for so long, and now all of a sudden it's falling apart. Where's the progress? And Paul goes, I want you to look to Lois. And Eunice. Yeah. (laughs) Look to them. Faithful. Your family members. See how their faith has started here and got them there. You can do that. And what Paul realized is it's so much easier to kind of look at someone else's beginning and start than looking at ourselves. It's difficult for us to turn around and look. But if we don't look behind where we've come from, we will let fear and anger control us. We will never get anywhere in our lives. So what what then Paul does is go, I want you to look back at when I laid hands on you, when I imparted the Holy Ghost on you, I want you to know that you can do this. Say here, guys. Could I have you turn um, to... Verse 6 on the New Living Translation. This is why I remind you to fan the flames, fan into flames the Spirit of God, the gift of God that I gave you when I laid my hands on you. Timothy, you did not lose this gift. It may be small right now, but I want you to fan it back into the intensity it was before by first looking at the people around you and then looking back at where you've gone. Because when you realize that this gap, this was your goal at one point, and you made it. You've already made your goal. Now all you're doing is continuing to move forward. Because all this, when I get here, what's going to happen? God's going to set a new goal. Glory 
to glory, to glory. And you're looking back, and that's where I was. Does anyone here, when you look back at who you were, would you say that you were the same person? Would you recognize that person if you ever met them again? Or do you say, would you think, say that, man, there's a lot of change that has been done in you? God has taken some junk out of your life so that you can continue to walk forward, so that you can be a new person, brand new in every way, shape, and form. Sometimes physical, sometimes mental, whatever it might be. This gets us to do this so that we can do this. That is the answer that, that Paul was giving, and this is what God is giving us. We all have big steps. Thank you, guys. You can get back to your seats. <laughs> we all have big steps. Is anyone here, who, who's had kids? So, a mothers, mothers who have been pregnant, of course. Let me, can I have a raise of hands? When you guys were pregnant, what were you thinking when you were pregnant? <laughs> were you thinking something like, get this kid out of me? <laughs> so who, who when, when that happened, and the kid is now in your arms, sometimes at home crying, was thinking, man, could you put that kid right back in? Because this is crazy. No? Some people. But this is, this is the point I'm getting. Like, we all make steps, but we all need to learn how to lead by in the old way. Like a, a, a nursing mother or a mother that's pregnant, right, is not going to treat their kid who's, who is now delivered the same way they treated their kid when they're pregnant, right? Like, I'm feeding myself. The kid's getting nutrients too. No, the kid's starving in the bed now. <laughs> when we're moving on to moving from high school into college, how many of you guys know, and I've been there, I screwed up on this transition because I was not mentally there, but it takes a big jump between high school and college because you need to get in the right mindset. I am an adult now. We need to leave behind the child mindset in order to move on. And I, I mentioned single people, and I'm technically still engaged, but I will be married, but when... When you're looking for someone, I'm sitting here going, I need to find a spouse. Have you learned to love yourself before you found that person? Because otherwise you're going to look to them for the answer, and that is not going to turn out well. Big steps. Big steps require big sacrifices. But as we, as we continue to look at like that example as we're looking back and looking forward, we start to realize that these obstacles, these things that we think I'm never going to get out of, just reveal God's promises to us. We know there's an enemy, and he wants to throw obstacles in our lives. It doesn't matter about the storm. Guys, do you, you guys know that the storm does not determine where you're at? Storms are going to be all over the place, whether you're doing something right, doing something wrong, or someone else is doing something wrong, you're just hitching a ride. <laughs> what determines how you get out of it, what determines your position is who you're doing it with. Just like Peter, when he was on, on the water or in the boat, and remember in this story, 
Jesus was walking on the water, and it seemed like he was almost going to pass by Peter, like he didn't even care, until Peter called out to him, and he stopped. It seems like God wants, to, wants us to pursue him with intensity. I've heard it said that the amount of God's word that you are enthusiastic about is the amount that's going to work for you. If you're bored to death in your room watching the Bible, reading the Bible, if you're bored to death in church, not listening, getting nothing out of it, you're not, you can't expect to get anything from God. But the more enthusiastic you get, the more you press in, the more excited you get. Let me ask you, in order to wrestle God, do you think Jacob was a little bit enthusiastic? I believe we have a bunch of Jacobs in this room. And you know what? This world needs Jacobs. In order for, for anything to happen, we've got a world that's chaotic right now. But you know what? We know that the kingdom of God is anything but that. Why don't we take that to the world? Why don't we do something about it? Open our mouths. I mentioned to you guys that these walls, the things that are going wrong in our lives, don't determine where we're at. Well, there's a storm in our country. Do you guys believe that that means the world's in a bad place? I don't. I know God's moving. I know God's ready to do something incredible, but he's waiting, waiting for the church to open their mouths. We need to leave behind the, the people we are, the pride that is behind us, and recognize there's an enemy that's not the people. Cops aren't the enemy. Anarchists aren't the enemy. Writers, the president, the media, they're not the enemy. There's only one enemy. His, he's the prince of the power of the air. His name is Satan, or first name Lou, last name Zer. <laughs> he's a defeated foe. And we have the kryptonite. All we have to do is open our mouths. When a church prays, that is when victory is found. This country needs a church that is going to leave behind their, their, their political mindsets. They're going to leave behind their personal prejudices and press towards a goal where that is far beyond anything we can see. Are we not a church that it follows Christ? Are we not a church that is supposed to walk with faith and not by sight? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. This world is not going to be the same. And yes, I, we get in this mindset that we've heard it a lot, and this is true, that the days that we live in are evil, and they're going to get worse. But that doesn't mean we get lazy. It doesn't mean we sit on the sidelines and do nothing about it. We raise up our voices. We pray in a way that is intense enthusiastic and dunamis, filled with power. But we only learn to do that when we press towards the one who shows us how. He knows prayer comes from a place that is lacking. There's no, there's no pride. There's no selflessness. There's no personal gain. Nothing behind it but love. I want to live in a world where the church knows how to pray. Do you not?
That is our goal. Progress is on the horizon. We just have to give up ourselves.